Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, April 17th, and today we're reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 52, starting with We Had to Ask Ourselves, going through two paragraphs. Today's readers are, thank you and thank you for your service, Martha Z, Craig F, Marcella M. The reference numbers for yesterday, April 16th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 11,302. And for 10 a.m., 11,303. So that's 11,302 for 7 a.m. and 11,303 for 10 a.m. OA Preamble. Old Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose, is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. here from outside New York City. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin. I will now ask for Eve Kay to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Eve. Hi, good morning. This is Eve Kay from Brooklyn, New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, excuse me, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Eve Kay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you run over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone except the speaker's phone should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book on page 52, 
starting with the paragraph, we had to ask ourselves, and I'm going to have Martha V. start us out. Go ahead, Martha. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar fight? Of course it was. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. Uh, Good morning, my friends in recovery. I'm so excited to be talking about the bedevilments. Um, I looked up bedevilment, and it said troubles, torments, disturbances. And I I was laughing to myself because last week we were doing this part in the big book in our local meeting, and the person that was sharing kept, kept calling them bewilderments. And I I just thought that was so funny, but, I mean, it's, it's so true. Um, so... Um, Bedevilments are lack of power. They're all questions of unmanageability in our lives. And I, I was thinking about, or, or we could talk about their, the, the spiritual malady, but they are untreated compulsive overeating. So I was told when I did this with my guide that I was supposed to personalize these statements. So I started with, I had to ask myself why I shouldn't apply to my human problems the same readiness to change my point of view. And so I started with, I was having trouble with personal relationships. And I was having trouble with personal relationships. I, I, I often say to my daughters, but to myself as well, when I'm having trouble with everyone, I am the common denominator. It is not everyone else. It is me. Um, my emotional nature, I was moody, depressed, up and down. My brother used to... Um, you know, talk about how moody I was. Um, Pray to misery and depression? Oh, always, always. I certainly created my own misery, but I was extremely depressed. And when I ate, I was, I ate because I was depressed. And then the more I ate, the more depressed I became. I couldn't make a living. I was at one point laid off from a job that they said that I was the last person hired, but I knew that it was really my um, (laughs) lack of effectiveness because of my eating. Um, I had a feeling of uselessness. I I couldn't even help myself. I was trying desperately to help my family, but I was having trouble taking care of myself. Full of fear um, constantly. Um, uh, Unhappy uh, totally. Um, And I couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Um, and I'd like to, like to say, though, before recovery, I lived in these bedevilments. I, I totally lived there. Today, I can honestly say that I may visit here occasionally, but I, I, um, I have a way to get realigned. And so I have bad moments. I don't have bad days. So um, today, um, 
my personal relationships, I can honestly say that I have the best relationship with, you know, the best possible relationship with everybody in my life. And I'm, I'm, that's the, the area that I'm most grateful about. Um, my emotional nature, I'm, I'm usually calm and peaceful most of the time. Misery and depression, I, I can get depressed at times, but I also know that the thing that gets me out of that the most is when I help other people. It really, that always helps me. Um, definitely managing my own life and, and um, helping to manage things in my mom's life as well right now as, as she is, you know, ha- getting over having a stroke. Um, uselessness and, and um, being of help to other people, I, I find that not only my compulsive overeating, but the other things that I've struggled with my life, in my life, I've been able to use as, you know, as ways to help other people. I, my husband had prostate cancer. I've been able to help people, people who have husbands that have prostate cancer. All sorts of things that have been hard for me, I've been able to use to be helpful. Um, fear, fear is much better. I can, I can ask God to remove, and I, and I am much more trusting these days. I'm actually happy most of the time. I'm certainly at peace most of the time. Fine. And um, anyway, so yeah, thanks for letting me share and. Um, I was just going to say, uh, my idea didn't work, but the God idea absolutely has. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha G. So who would like to share on those two paragraphs that were read on page 52? Katie G. from Boston. Nicole C. Sarah from Boston. Katie G. I've got Katie G. Larry. Sandy F. Uh, Nicole C. K, Nicole C. I heard a bunch of people that I just did not. Everybody came at once. I've got Katie G, Larry K, Sandy F, Nicole. Anybody Sarah from Boston. Lori Sarah, W. Lori W. All right, let's Ginger go with that. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, let's go with this. Katie G, Larry K, Sandy F, Nicole, Sarah. I forgot your last initial. Sorry, Lori W. All right, Katie G, you're up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. I mean, I think the first thing that my sponsor said to me is that these bedevilments, these torments, these possessions, these plagues, these tortures, they're not related to the food. You know, when I was in the food, yes. Did I have all these symptoms? Yes. But the main problem is what? My thinking. My idea does not work, but the God idea does. And we've been talking about our ideas. Um, And I was thinking this morning, what are my ideas with relation to all of these items? So I'm having trouble with personal relations abstinence because I'm selfish and self-centered, and I need you to jump inside my body, fill my needs, be my hostage, do what I want and say, and then everything will be happy, right? Like, or, you know, I believe the lie that if I had what you had, a husband, boobs, blonde hair, a big job and money, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. And that is, you know, profoundly untrue. We all, nobody gets a free ride. This is not, you know, feel good anonymous. This is Overeaters Anonymous and we live in the world. And guess what? The world is not fair all the time. That's just the truth. So my expectations around personal relationships, I couldn't control my emotional relations 
um, natures because nobody's doing what I want. And of course I'm a prey to misery, misery and depression because I'm not using the food, right? And so I'm like, you know, what's the point? Um, everything is, nobody's doing what I want. I, I, I'm miserable. And maybe I can bring in money, right? Like maybe I can bring in money, but am I effective at my job? Am I going to work and, um, and lying? Am I going to work and, you know, making phone calls and, um, and stealing things and going on the internet and a feeling of uselessness? Well, why am I going to help others if people aren't doing what I want? I'm not getting what I want. Life is not fair. Why would I help somebody else, right? And then being full of fear. And, you know, thank you, God, um, today as a recovered woman, I don't live in these bedevilments, but man, do I get close and man, do they come up. Um, and, you know, I, my fear, which has driven all of my um, emotional unhappiness, has not been removed. Some people say where there's fear, there, where there's fear, there is no faith. That is not true for me. Where there's fear, I face the fear today. I, I look at the lies around the fears and I sit with them. And I say, okay, I see you fear, but God is bigger than you. And that is what it means to be recovered today is, you know, these things might come up. But as was said previously, my ideas do not work. The God idea does. And I have a solution today that, that is most effective, abstinence in these 12 steps. So I'm going to keep showing up, God willing, one day at a time with all of you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Larry K., you're up. Please go ahead. Thanks, Amy. Appreciate it. Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know what's so cool? I, I meet someone, uh, a newcomer, this past weekend, and then I get a text. Uh, she's on the line. What a great venue we have here for people to study the big book together. So here we are, you know, with this with – this, um, with this chapter about the bedevilments it talks about in the big book. But here was the bottom line for a person like me. I had, you know, deeply ingrained ways of thinking and behaving that were inflexible. And generally they led to impaired, you know, relationships with others. And, and I, I cannot stop stepping on the toes of others. I am biologically mandated to sink into the quicksand of despair of this disease. No matter how much I try to save myself from the quicksand, I'm right back there. You know, I was anxious, sometimes to the level of panic attacks. I was angry. I was frustrated. Sometimes I was really happy and exuberant. I isolated. I was avoidant. I could be very dramatic. You see, you know, these, and the only thing that, that seemed to give me a, a, a temporary reprieve from those feelings was food. And food didn't solve the bedevilments, but I'll tell you what it did, boy. It sure did numb me out from the pain for just enough time so I can redirect my attention away from them. See, that's what we have. We have one tool in the toolbox of coping prior to working these steps and taking action after action after action. And when the emotions build up for a guy like me, it's just too much for me to deal with. And I go to my, I get out that, that band, that rubber band, and I wrap it around my arm. Don't, you know, don't fool yourself, Larry. I go to my heroin foods. I get out the proverbial syringe to get me to a place of oblivion. And just because what I do is legal, 
it still takes me to the oblivion. How does a guy like that change? Well, that's what this program is about. I have to trust in a process. I have to take these actions and trust in the process, detach from the outcome. Stop trying to get a feeling in that moment. Just, just you know, trust in the process that's worked with, you know, with others. And then see what happens. And something beautiful emerged. Something beautiful emerged, and it wasn't just a, in a place in time. It emerged, and it continues to emerge and unfold. Thank God for these actions. It's all in the action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Sandy F., it's your turn. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Florida and North Carolina. Um, definitely the God idea is difficult for me, but I'm seeing dem- it demonstrated in my life. And what was just said before, action is the key. You know, I've been sharing on this line for quite a while about my mom who just died on Sunday night. And I cannot believe the experience that God gave me with my mom before she died and that God's giving me now. And I just want to say, you know, I have been abstinent for a long time and I'm grateful that I have been bedeviled by fear. That is true. And I loved what someone else shared. It's not a lack of faith. Fear gives me the opportunity to build my faith by taking action. And what happened was I didn't have a final goodbye with my mom, and she'd been unconscious for a couple of days. And Saturday, the day before she died, I came into her room playing a song she had been singing. She had a little voice recorder. Smile, though your heart is breaking. And all of a sudden, my mother woke up. It was, uh, it was miraculous. There was a nurse there with me to witness it. My mother, like, woke up. And she wasn't able to talk. But I said, and I was hysterical crying because this was what I wanted and was powerless over. And she was there. She was looking at me. She was squeezing my hand. And all the things I really wanted to say, and I was able to call other people, you know, my husband, my sister-in-law, her grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, within a 20-minute period. And it was the deepest connection I've ever felt with my mom, and we've been very connected our whole lives. And I can't tell you the gift. The gift was that my mom, I saw she was putting like every ounce of effort she could have to communicate to me that she was conscious and she loved me. And I couldn't ask for anything greater in my life a greater gift, and this was the gift of working the 12 steps one moment at a time in, in my personal way, as ugly as it looks sometimes, but doing my best. And this is something that will be with me for a lifetime that I could not do. And God did for me what I could not do for myself. And I want to say that I am not a believer type, but it doesn't matter. What matters is the actions. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Nicole, your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Nicole C. in California. I'm a compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, thank you. Oh, I love, 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 love this paragraph. It's 
bookmarked, booked, tagged, highlighted, and crossed, pointed to all of the above. And I really, really, really love the comments so far. I especially loved hearing the legal heroin foods. Um, this, this is me untreated, whether I'm actively eating or not. I mean, this is me untreated. I, I could go back to that as soon as I stop taking this program of action into my life every day. And I am not a joy to be around when that happens. And I was such, such, oh my God, I just, when, we couldn't control our emotional natures. Oh, that was me. That was me. My poor husband, my poor, poor husband, he made the mistake of telling me the truth. I couldn't get my wedding dress over my thighs. I was absolutely devastated. I came home. I told him, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, you know, you have a year. It's okay. But deep down, I knew. I knew that I was at a point where I couldn't trust myself to get it off in a year. And I was absolutely devastated. So I white-knuckled it and white-knuckled it and white-knuckled it and tried to exercise and tried to exercise. And I didn't know that he knew that I was going into my dad's bedroom every night while he was sleeping and eating a whole package of Oreos and watching movies with him. I had no idea that he knew that. And so when I looked at him one day and I said, I don't understand, I'm working out so hard and the weight's just not coming off. And he said, well, sweetie, if you keep eating a whole package of Oreos every night, it's not going to come off. Oh, that was it. Oh, that was it. I picked up one of those cookies and I hucked it at him so hard. It actually hit him in the face. It made a dent in the wall and it was an Oreo frenzy. I could not control my emotional nature. This poor man had to endure my ups, my downs, the sugar roller coasters. First I'm high on the sugar, then I'm crashing from the sugar, then I'm high on the sugar, then I'm crashing on the sugar. And it didn't matter how much I loved him. It didn't matter how much I didn't want to hurt him. I couldn't stop hurting him because I, oh God, it was just, it was a nightmare. And that's what this paragraph says to me. I couldn't be useful if my life depended on it. I couldn't summon the power. I was so afraid all the time. I was so unhappy. And, and I was just, I was just so miserable, so miserable. Um, I, I don't know what else to say except for I just, I know this paragraph and I know that all of you understand me. I don't have to feel ashamed because I know that every single person on this line knows exactly what I'm talking about. And we don't have to live like that anymore because we can take the steps into our life and there is a way out. Thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Nicole C. Sarah, your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Sarah M. from Boston, recovering one day at a time. So I can certainly relate to pretty much this entire paragraph, but I really just want to focus on the first part where it talks about us having trouble with our personal relationships. Of all the bedevilments, this one really hit home for me. Um, and it hit home because it made me think, like, what personal relationships? This disease took away every meaningful relationship from my life. In college, I dated a guy for a number of years, 
and every weekend I would go with the family to the Cape, and every weekend we'd get in a big fight because every weekend I'd binge eat there, and I would never go on the boat. I wouldn't swim. I never once went into the water because every weekend I thought I was too fat and too hot from eating. We eventually broke up, and what do you know, part of it was because of my eating. Um, Birthday parties, I, I deliberately missed flights before to go home to Ohio where I'm from because I didn't want people to see me because I had binge eaten at the airport. I've spent many holidays alone because I didn't want to eat the food and I didn't want, I knew it was going to happen if I went to an event with a lot of food. So I told people I had other plans. I told my family I was spending the holiday with someone else and I just spent Christmas, Thanksgiving, all those holidays alone. Um, Best friends, I just now, as I'm recovering, I'm coming out of the woodwork and I'm meeting the boyfriend that my best friend has now been dating seriously for four months. Um, they've asked me to hang out a million times, and I've just denied all of their invitations because I was so embarrassed to see people because of my size and what a poor condition I was in. So I didn't really have any meaningful personal relationships in my life, at least not to the extent that I could have had. And it was because of this disease, because I wanted to either isolate so I could not eat or isolate so I could eat or isolate so I could go to the gym all day. But there's no time for personal relationships when all you're thinking about is food. And I just thank God for this program because now I'm able to get back into the world. I mean, some of my friends honestly thought that I moved. People honestly thought that I had moved away recently. And I had to say, no, you know, I just going through a time, but I thank God that I, I took the, the steps as they are outlined exactly in this big book, and now I'm getting ready to sponsor so I can help people to actually have meaningful relationships in their life and be the person that their higher power wants them to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Sarah M. Lori W., it's your turn. Good morning, Amy. Thanks for your service. This is Lori W., um, Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, wow, this passage always gets me. If I did not know from being 5'1 and 280 pounds that I was a compulsive overeater, that my life was unmanageable, if I didn't know from um, my resume, from the number of a myriad of jobs that I have held professionally in my life, um, this paragraph, this this passage, nailed it for me, and it showed me um, that I I have a real issue, and it's not even food. It's not even food. It really has nothing to do with the food. I have a problem in my brain. I don't know how to handle emotions. I don't know how to process them. I don't know what to do with them. It's like somebody, you know, when we were little, we used to play hot potato, hot potato, and you get tossed something, and you have to hurry up and give it. To, I had no idea what to do, what to do. Happiness, what? What do, you, what do you do with happiness? Sadness, sorrow, disappointment, anger, resentment, bitterness, fear. I had no idea what to do with these hot potatoes. And um, so what I would do is I would collect them, and I would hold them, and I would eat over them. And then when the heat from all those potatoes got together – I would explode, um, and that was characteristic of my life. And so you see all these people in my life, my um, children, 
my um, children-in-law, my parents, my sister, my niece and my nephew, friendships, and all of them have third-degree burns from being around me. My life was so unmanageable. And I was talking to my sponsor, and I got overwhelmed, and life is going on right now, and it's scary, and I still don't know how to handle it, but I have tools that I'm throwing in my tools and using them, and they're working. <clears throat> but um, one day we had a, a conversation, and I got so worked up, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get God to do I don't know how to do this. And I had to go back and make amends later because I was really intense. And I said, I'm sorry. She said, you know, that gave me a glimpse of what your family endured. And I told her, I said, that was newborn Lori. That was infant Lori. That is not even fully adult Lori in her rage. But I'm learning through this program how to deal with my emotions, how to calm myself, how to pause when agitated or doubtful, how to ask God, what is the next right thing to do or what should I do in this situation? What would you have me to do? And that has such a calming effect on me. It keeps my mind clear where my emotions are not taking over. The food, I'm not pumping uh, drug food, drugs into my system. So my mind is clear, but I have to also be clear with my emotions and saying a Hi. prayer. Thank you very much. Saying a prayer, doing the um, third step prayer, all of those help me. And by God's grace, each day I'm getting through and I'm getting more stabilized in my emotions. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lori W. Okay, so we're going to open up the line for more shares. We're on page 52. We had to ask ourselves, working through those two paragraphs, who Lassa. would like to share? Lassa. Ginger C. Rachel W. Ginger C. Rachel W. Leia M. Leia M. Melissa C. Okay, so I've got Vasa O, Ginger C, Rachel W, Harlan, Leia M, Melissa C. Let's go with that. All right, 10 10 we can fit you in there. All right, so Vasa O, you're up, please, followed by Ginger C. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida. Thank you, Amy, for your service, and thank you for everybody's service this morning. And uh, I did come for the vanity. I had no clue. I've shared before anything about the disease. I didn't know anything about the allergy. Everything I have learned, I have learned since I came to Overeaters Anonymous and this this book that I, I that I treasure and uh, and I had all these these symptoms you know I um, um, I was very troubled I ex- I was experiencing all kinds of emotions um, I, um, fears sadness worries excitement panic attacks at times happiness. I, you know, I just ate over anything, and especially with the, I numb myself with the negative emotions. But I didn't know what I was doing. I just would go into food and and would make me feel better for a little bit. And then I learned about the allergy, and I learned how I needed to put the food down, and I needed. I couldn't put the food down by myself anyways. I did step one, two, and three, and I was ready to surrender 
to whoever. I just couldn't do it any longer. And I did put the food down, down by the grace of God, and it was torture for me to keep it down. But then I could not go to the food to numb my feelings any longer. And this is when I learned, and in order for me not to go back to the food, I had to take the rest of the steps the way they laid out. And this stuff was coming out like crazy, you know, the fears, worries, and anxieties. And I was taught not to run back to the food and pray to God to be relieved and go to meetings and read the literature and do whatever it took, use the tools. And uh, and I did use the tools, and I picked up the phone, called somebody, or shared what I was going through, because I remember feeling so ashamed. And I, you know, I was growing up. We were not supposed to tell people, and we were supposed to keep everything inside, you know. And that's what I had done. I had stopped my stuffed my feelings for years, and I suppressed my feelings. And I, there was no relief. I would find little relief from the food. But, the, you know, the, the healing started when I started putting the negative things and positive things, you know, my inventory. And gradually, little, but I felt like I was dissected with no anesthesia from the pain and the suffering I, was, uh, I had been experiencing over the, over the years. And, and now I couldn't go back to my drug to, to numb them. And, you know, it's just, you know, I, I am so, so grateful to have gone and to be still going through. You know, uh-huh. I'm, I'll wrap it up. You know, I've gone through five deaths in my family, father, mother, brothers, three, and my granddaughter, heart surgery when she was two weeks old. I mean, to have, it was a miracle for me not to go back to the food, just to deal life the way life was presented to me. And and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Ginger C., your turn, followed by Rachel. Hi, Amy. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, great. Ah, got the mute button. Uh, Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And amazing paragraphs this morning, and I just want to say welcome to anyone who's new on the line. Um, that that first paragraph, oh my God, that's what I was when I was eating sugar and in the food. The fear, full of fear, constant fear, and never thought I could be without the fear. And then to see 31 pages later, this is why we say, you know, first and foremost, you have to say goodbye to the food. You have to put it down, but then work this program quickly. I mean, page 83 are the nine-step promises, a 180 from page 52. So get going and watch these promises unfold in your life. And, you know, the most amazing piece that happened is that I put the food down, and within days, I started to feel better, days, and then I started feeling neutral around food. I had never experienced that in my entire life. My only existence with OA was knowing white-knuckled abstinence, and it sucked, and I hated it, and it was painful. So, you know, this is where the simple reliance began. Something was happening for me, and it was nothing about me. And thank God my ideas did not work, and I was willing to do whatever my sponsor said and then watch this God idea work. Because for me to be neutral around food was mind-blowing. 
And that's where I started believing and trusting that something bigger and better and greater was working. So again, this simple, it's easily understood. It's presenting no difficulty. It's straightforward. It's easy. It's uncomplicated. It's uninvolved. So if you're trying to figure out this God and manage and control, you're going in the wrong direction. It's uninvolved. Let God just work the magic through you. It's, God works in such mysterious ways. You know, and just a quick little story, just again, the simplicity about this higher power and how it works. I just have to stop trying to manage and control and let it evolve. But my daughter and I went to church on Sunday, and the whole sermon was about how we are always walking away from God. God never leaves us. God's down deep within us. We are the ones that let go of God's hand. And my daughter had let go of God's hands because she's gay, and she heard some really ugly words around religion and being gay, and she let go of God's hand, and it broke my heart. But I knew she was on her path, and I knew it was none of my business, and I just kept praying. And then Saturday night, she said, Mom, let's go to church. Blew me away. And then she heard this message. And then she tells me, you know, Mom, when I was in the store the other day, and that random person, that clerk, spoke to me exactly the way I needed to be spoken to and spoke these words that I needed to hear, that was God. And it just made me melt. This is my child. What's the greater gift to see your child connecting to a power that they need as well? So don't quit before the miracle, but put the food down and get into action because this program is always about what I'm doing, never what I'm thinking, and it's perseverance. You just don't stop. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Rachel W. Here's W, right? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. And how cool is it that I was also going to mention the promises because, um, you know, what works for me best when I read the bedevilments, even saying the word is like a bedevilment for me. Um, what works for me is to actually read the promises as well. And, and to remember that, you know, and I say this a lot, you know, in my experience, my higher power speaks to me through everything. It speaks to me through people, through books, through literature. It's not just, you know, the creator of the universe. It's, it's, it's always found um, in people and, you know, God speaks to me in so many ways. And one of them is in this book. And, and um, so right now I just want to read the promises because it's, they're in the, in, in the chapter into action, which tells us like, you know, it's, this is a program of action in order to get out of these bedevilments, you know, in order to get out of me sitting in a darkness, watching a video with like a whole package of Costco cookies. Like, how does that, how do I go from that to a useful member of society? Um, it's, it's, I go into action, I take actions, I take steps, and it leads to this. Our painstaking phase of our development will be in days before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change and fear of people and of economics insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. And how amazing is it that, 
you know, we, we emerge from these bedevilments as, as people with intuitive thoughts. You know, the same, how could it be that the same thought that told me that my higher power was a two pound Reese's bar, you know, or my higher, the solution, you know, to my anger or, or the solution to, to any angst in my life was food. You know, how, how, do, how, did, how does that change? How does that change to today where I'm taking actions to be a person, a whole human being, a spiritual, you know, living on a more spiritual level, but not just that, more useful. So um, I just wanted to say how grateful I am for this meeting, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Rachel. Harlan D., you're up, followed by Leah M. Thank you, Amy, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, a very wise person said to me in 1979 that if all the food did was make us fat, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. This disease stripped from me in the most degradating way every shred of human decency that I've ever had. This disease rendered me a liar when the truth would have served me better. I did not know how to trust humanity. I did not know how to trust the world. And so I would be a chameleon. I would be whatever it is you wanted me to be. And I would lie when the truth would serve me better. I was always depressed. I was always full of self-pity, full of fear. I've been in sales my whole life, always too afraid of the... Harlan, we lost you. ...than the one I was doing, even though I hated what I was doing. I was always unhappy. There was never enough food, and there was never enough thinness on the other side of eating all that food. There was never enough for me. No matter what I had, no matter what the situation, I was gluttonous for more. There was no peace in my life. Whether I was eating or not eating, whether I was dieting and stark raving abstinent while dieting, or stark raving insane and full of food while wantonly eating everything in sight. It didn't matter. There was only one solution so that I could become the person I was born to be. Yes, I have some regrets, just like everyone else does. And yes, I wish I had a time machine. I wish I could go back to 1961, 62, whatever, and do it all again with what I know now. That's part of the human condition. But I couldn't will myself to be honest. I couldn't will myself to be a human being in God's eyes. I couldn't will myself to like myself. I couldn't will myself to take self-esteemable action after action that would build my life into a life that I have now. It says here we had to stop doubting the power of God and that if things don't go my way, that's okay. Our ideas did not work. That is a sentence I must tell myself a thousand times a day. Our ideas does not, did not work, but the God idea did. And yes, I do 10 steps every day. And yes, people don't stick to my script. 
but the God idea did. And that means that no matter what happens, I don't have to eat over it. There's nothing in my life that eating more food won't make worse. Time. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Leah M., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Thank you very much. You know, when I look at this paragraph, I think of it as the anti-promises. And, you know, I also note that it's written in the past tense. I mean, we all know that the text was written by those in whom the problem had been solved. They were recovered alcoholics. And so this paragraph is written as such. We were having trouble. We were a prey to misery. Um, But this paragraph is a description of unmanageability and prior to God consciousness. You know, after the implementation of the steps, we get to page 83 where they begin to detail the restoration of sanity, a renewed life, a rehabilitated life as a result of a relationship with a power and a consciousness of a God in their lives. You know, this paragraph, which details my unmanageability on every level when I was in disease, whether I was momentarily abstinent or not, emotionally, socially, spiritually, financially, familiarly, each area of my life was touched by uh, the disease and the philosophy that I had of self-sufficiency. And so when I came crawling into the rooms with tombstones in my eyes, um, more than my compulsive overeating had to be arrested, my own philosophy, the way I had been raised of self-sufficiency and self-reliance, all those core belief systems, those attitudes had to be arrested because it had all deteriorated into a cancer of the soul, a soul sickness. My book calls it a spiritual malady. My book calls it a spiritual malady. I needed to be tethered to something. Because without God in my life, I was like that old-fashioned, you know, um, (laughs) pinball machine where you pull back the spring and that metal ball just catapults across the machinery. Ding, 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 and the lights are going off and the bumpers. And that's what I was. I was, you know, a loose ball. Life circumstances, life situations, people, places, things, unmanageability. I was just catapulted through life, through daily living. It seemed that food was the glue that held me together. I had a rough time living. My book calls it a heavy going at life. Through the implementation of the steps, I was introduced to an old friend, God, who has now tethered me and governs me. And and I have been taught trust, reliance, and dependency. And I no longer believe God will restore me to sanity. I know that he has done so as a result of these steps and as a result of consciousness with him and the continuation of the development and improvement and strengthening of that relationship. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Melissa C., um, and if you could, we could maybe split it, we can get Tenzin in there. Go ahead, Melissa. Okay, great. Hi, it's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so what I what I hear in this paragraph is um, – do I need newsreels of evidence? Do I need to actually see proof that God exists or is my bedevilment enough proof that I don't, I'm not 
this power. My manageability sucks. You know, that's really what, um, for me, it kind of came down to. I really didn't need to have great proof that God existed um, because I knew that I was failing miserably. You know, all these bedevilments were occurring in my life, just like, you know, everybody eloquently stated. Um, I was miserable. Yeah, that was bad enough, but the misery that I was living in, the the fear, it was all-consuming, and I couldn't stand it anymore, you know, any longer. And so I didn't need a a clear-cut definition of what God was. For me, um, it started with I, I knew my bedevilments. Those are the antithesis. Those are the opposites of God. And um, those are my lowest weaknesses. And so in the very beginning, all I had to do was say, um, okay, whatever my lowest weaknesses, fear, anger, jealousy, worry, gluttony, God could merely be the opposite. My higher power could just start as being the exact opposite of what my lowest weaknesses were. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Thank you for shortening up so we can fit Tenzin P in. Go ahead, Tenzin. You've got about two two minutes. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you to everyone who shared, everyone that's on the line. Um, As I'm reading this uh, couple of paragraphs today, uh, I've heard about the bedevilments before. I've, I've read this paragraph, but just as I'm reading it today, my mouth drops because it's such a a clear listing of everything that was a problem. It's it's really a list of the second half of the first step. It appears to me, you know, we admitted we were powerless over food, that first half of the first step, and our lives had become unmanageable. So this whole list is about that second half of the first step. And um, wow, and this couple of paragraphs in the first sentence, it, it suggests that we have readiness to change our point of view. So fundamental. It keeps getting um, suggested over and over. I'm willing, thank you, God. And um, that the basic solution to these bedevilments, simple reliance upon, and here's another beautiful expression for higher power, spirit of the universe. So, um, and then just lastly, so the way the last two sentences in that bedevilment's paragraph, it's not a run-on sentence. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. Uh, So carefully, our ideas did not work, period, full stop. Pay attention, Tenzin. And then what the God idea did. So um, I'm just, so moved by where we are, and thank you for all who share and all who are on the line. Thank you, Tenzin P. And I'd like to thank everyone who shared, and thank you so much to our readers for participating. And uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Leah, if you send me the share ID, could you tell me what it is, please, because it didn't come through on my text, if you could maybe announce it.
Okay, well, just I'm sure in the second hour we can get that number out for some reason. Share ID 11305. Okay, everyone, that's for today, 11305. Thanks, Leah. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Craig F., if you could take us out by reading a vision for you, that would be great. Good. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, our book is, and thank you for your service, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you don't have. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to God and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.